morning and welcome to The Morning Fix. I'm Julie Dye and I'm here with my co-host Amy Shepard. The Morning Fix is a podcast series brought to you by the 510K Cafe. We interview medical technology leaders to discuss trends, innovations, and the future of marketing and communications in the medtech industry. Today we're here with Jeff Hopkins and Jeff is the worldwide president for Clearant, which is part of the Johnson & Johnson family of companies. Jeff has more than 30 years helping patients by building businesses and treatments with medical technologies across multiple therapeutic areas, functions, and companies. Jeff is also an Austinite, so we're really looking forward to having a great conversation today. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Jeff, our listeners love to hear about our guests' backgrounds. Tell us about yours and how your path brought you to a Clarent. Oh, great. Well, thank you for asking. Yes, interesting. When I was in college, um, I had always planned on going into financial services and investment banking and had uh, worked uh, through the summers in those fields. And when I was a junior, I got a call from the dean of the business school, and he asked me to come meet with uh, an entrepreneur that had started a medical device company and was looking for additional talented people to join. Uh, and I started in the, in the medical device space worked with a company that uh, that was very successful quickly, had a lot of responsibility early, and we had led to a successful exit. Uh, I did something similar following that that one, and in my late 20s, I decided to take a little break. So I took time off and traveled around the world on, on a little sabbatical, and during this these travels and this journey, I thought a lot about what I wanted to do with my life, and I realized how much I fell in love with uh, medical and healthcare and the ability to help patients and that I wanted to continue in that career space. And I thought about uh, doing startups or going to work for a small aggressive company and, and realized that I wanted to go work for one of the largest healthcare companies in the world so I could have the resources immediately to make an impact and the reach to, uh, to impact millions of patients. So uh, I, I joined J&J um, about 20 years ago. And uh, I started um, in surgery and moved into uh, cardiac electrophysiology and now in ear, nose, and throat at a clinic. And uh, and I've been here now seven years. I love to hear that your career took a turn when you were able to take a break through that sabbatical. So I think that that's something that I I wish more people had the opportunity to do. Yeah, it was a, it was a great experience and it really... Uh, helped me align my core values. And I think it's important that regardless of what we all set to do, we should seek what makes us happy. And I think the happier we are, the greater, the greater we can do and the more effective we can be. Uh, and, and I really love the intrinsic value of being in healthcare, about, about being in business, but, but being in the business of helping people. It's fantastic. Absolutely. I know that I personally, you know, 10 years into my career when I was doing technology work, I didn't really feel like what I was doing was making a difference in the world. And so when I had that opportunity to, you know, start working in medical innovation, I really, it really just got me jazzed. And so I'm really, you know, really thrilled to be in the, in the space as well. So we'd love to hear a little bit more. You know, I know that a clearant was an acquisition by J and J, um, you know, several handful of years ago. And so we'd love to hear about how a clearant, you know, now fits into the larger J and J structure and, um, you know, any experiences or, or things that you've learned over the years, you know, being a small, being part of a, quote, smaller division of a much larger company. 
Absolutely. And, and you know, it's been um, really an interesting experience joining Eclair. You know, Jonathan Johnson is the largest healthcare company in the world. And we're focused on really changing the trajectory of health for humanity. So big company, big resources really have three sectors that, that we focus on. First is consumer. Most of us know about Jonathan Johnson baby shampoo and our consumer products. We also have a pharmaceutical division, uh, one of the largest in the world. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of noise lately on on our ability to support uh, the vaccine around COVID. And I'm actually in the medtech unit. And medtech, uh, previously known as medical devices, um, really uh, is an exciting place. We're one of the largest in that space, and we're really focused on developing technologies. That's mostly devices, hardware, and software that really advance the conditions. And Eclair is ear, nose, and throat, which is a huge area that affects up to 10% of Americans. So uh, these conditions are massive. Um, and with our, with our resources and our reach, uh, we really think we can make an impact uh, in, these, in these conditions. The, the big ones that we're going after are chronic sinusitis, right? 30 million patients, otitis media, which is ear infection, and which is 20 million patients, and, and several other ENT conditions. Um, but Eclair, to your point, you know, we're small, relatively small uh, in, a huge, in a huge company, but we're really proud of what we're done. We, we've got some huge big firsts, and they're making a, a tremendous impact for patients in ENT. So J&J bought Eclair. Eclair was a really innovative startup, and it was the first company to introduce balloon sinuplasty. And what they did was revolutionize sinus procedures by, by allowing um, the sinuses to be treated in a much more uh, a mess, a much more, uh, excuse me, a less uh, invasive way, right? Uh, we then, um, as we acquired a client, rolled it into J&J, we made additional significant investments to keep the business moving. We introduced uh, Eustachian tube balloon dilation to the market. And this was really exciting is that we took an idea from a surgeon, took it from a concept all the way through the coverage journey, and, and now we're actually uh, indicated and have the first treatment for, for uh, eustachian to balloon dysfunction. Um, and that treatment space uh, really opened up uh, care um, for 5% of the U.S. population. So it really created a whole new space there that wasn't available until J&J made, made those investments. And then more recently, we've brought in heavy technology investment and we brought in AI-powered navigation technology for ENT surgeons. So this is also another first in the space. And this AI software is really differentiating our, our portfolio. And I'm happy to say that with, with these investments, we'll be the number two player in surgical navigation uh, in this space. Uh, and we've only been at it for three short years. So overall, you know, being a part of J&J, has given us additional resources and support to grow Eclair from a single product company to now a major player in advancing ENT procedures in, in care. And we're doing this by digitizing our technology and setting a new standard for what patient and physicians should expect during ENT procedures. So even though we're relatively small in, in Johnson & Johnson, uh, in ENT, uh, we're truly setting the pace and our position and resources uh, with Johnson & Johnson really helping us do that more impactfully. Jeff, that's great. You mentioned artificial intelligence, and as we all know, it's a top technology today. Talk a little more about how Clarend is utilizing it for patient care and benefit. Oh, absolutely. And, 
it's a really exciting time to be in healthcare with technology like, like AI, and it's really opening up a lot of opportunities for us. Um, but let me back up a little bit and talk about the environment uh, we are in ENT first and, and in life. And, you know, we all know that technology is advancing all around us and making our lives much easier. Uh, many of us wear smartwatches. You know, we can read our text messages and we can watch our, our heart rhythm on, on, on our wrists. We can carry computers in our pockets that are more powerful than those that, you know, launched the first mission to space. We, we, we navigate our cars using you know, navigation apps, and uh, a lot of these cars now are starting to drive themselves, right? So a, a, lot of, a lot of advancements in technology, but in ENT in particular, um, many of the, uh, much of the space really hasn't kept pace. And so what J&J can do is we can bring in these resources and really apply these concepts to help our physicians work smarter and, fast, and faster. Uh, we've really done this before. Uh, we've done this um, with a sister company at Biosense, Biosense Webster. Biosense Webster is a, is a J&J unit that is in the arrhythmia space and the global leader in intracardiac navigation. And what we did there was we, uh, we used advanced virtual technology, virtual reality, and advanced navigation and imaging to build a virtual model of the heart from the inside out that allowed us to visualize in 3D for the, for the surgeons uh, the sources of, of arrhythmias and, and drive minimally invasive treatments to those, uh, to those areas of concern. So really, the advanced technology, AI, advanced imaging, navigation, electromagnetic navigation, has really become the daily technology that's taken a lot of sophisticated conditions and visualized them into really approachable and manageable way. Uh, and I'm really excited to say we took this same team that uh, developed the cardiac software and used all this advanced technology uh, in electrophysiology and moved it over to Eclair to, to deploy these resources and expertise to ENT. So, you know, a, a little bit more about what does that mean from an AI perspective. For us, AI is really the ability of a computer or robot to take tasks that are common that are common and associated with a lot of human work and do them automatically uh, or teach the, the machine what to do. And we can actually take a machine, build an algorithm, and teach the machine to go out and learn from data, identify patterns, and make decisions with minimal human inter intervention. So it's, it's, it's pretty powerful. For instance, you know, if you think of, of yourself going to, um, say, the emergency room if, you, if you've broken a bone, in the, in the past, you'd get an x-ray, and, and then the, the radiologist would, would get the x-ray film and take a look at it, put it up on the board, maybe show a person or two, and then, and then tell you the results. With AI and machine learning, now what happens is you can get an x-ray, you, you load it up into uh, the computer. Uh, the machine diagnoses and, and overreads this information and compares it to thousands of other scans and other x-rays, and then comes back and gives the physician uh, reference information that the physician could would not have have access to without, without the computer, and the computer can show the doctor based on uh, on this uh, this comparison comparative algorithms what what is going on and, and have a much larger set of data to compare. So, really, our goal is to be able to amalgamate all this healthcare data, imaging data, give it to the, the surgeons and healthcare providers so they can have more information that will really help them improve interventions and outcomes for patients. So, you know, it's, it's here now. It's, it's exciting in ENT. 
Um, our machines are, are doing it and helping the, the surgeons segment the anatomy and showing them paths to different anatomical targets. Uh, and we're living into it. And things now are starting to move, move really fast. And it's really an exciting time. So it sounds like AI really has the potential to, or, or, or is actually doing, you know, speeding up diagnosis and surgical planning in a very big way. Beyond AI, what other trends or innovations are you excited about in the ENT space or beyond? Yeah, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot going on. And, and, and again, a lot of it really is harnessing the power of technology to help continue drive the digitization of the space. And what I mean by that is, is in, the, in the past, you'd have surgeons that uh, used uh, scopes or video and, and they would go in and do procedures and address patients. Uh, and a lot of it, uh, they, were, they were having to make, uh, correlate the video images and assumptions of anatomy without really uh, additional imaging. With, with what's happening with AI and this advanced navigation and imaging, is we give them more information, more imaging modalities so that they can be more exact and more precise in what they're doing. So it takes some of the subjectivity out of the procedures and gives them more objective information to make, make choices. Once they have more objective information and it's reliable and it's accurate, then they can be more efficient in, in what they're doing. So I always say that right now, you know, in the old days, they would have to spend hours um, the day before surgery going through CT scans and trying to segment the anatomy and figure out their approach to deal with a particular condition. Now, with AI and advanced technology and digitization, uh, the patient scans are immediately uploaded. The computer does, does overreads and then provides them automatically a detailed segmentation of these, of these areas to avoid, the eyes, the brain, uh, the sinuses, um, critical areas to avoid, and even more importantly now, the algorithms can, can run, run segmentation that separates air, tissue, bone, and shows them the paths that they can follow from a natural anatomical perspective. So just a whole new realm of information, uh, information from the inside out the body that, they, that doctors can use to now correlate their procedures. So this is not only going to be powerful in ENT, going to be very powerful in electrophysiology and cardiac, orthopedics, pulmonary, and beyond. So for us, we're truly excited because it's here today, but this is just our first wave. And really, now that we've got this foundation, uh, we're really going to make medicine and healthcare much smarter, much less invasive, and more personalized based on each patient's individual anatomy. Yeah, no, I think that's great. It'll be great to see how things materialize in the future with respect to it. So thank you for, um, for, for that take. Jeff, I wanted to uh, switch gears a little bit and talk about um, COVID. Obviously, it's been a big conversation this year and, and, and also a big conversation with our guests on the show. How has it impacted your organization? Yeah, it's been a significant impact. And um, if you think about healthcare uh, and COVID, COVID is obviously a pulmonary virus, uh, that affects the lungs. And if you think about a clarin, we're the ear, nose, and throat business of J&J. So we're managing and addressing conditions of the upper airway. So it impacted us um, pretty significantly early. Uh, there was a lot of concern about, about how the virus was transmitted and, and how safely we could see patients and, and do ENT pr uh, procedures. Um, but I'm, saying, I'm happy to say that you know, we've worked through those challenges. Um, those challenges definitely created some interesting learnings for us. Um, we saw a, a rapid de 
decline in patients seeking ENT care. Uh, but thankfully now we're seeing patients re-engaging with their physicians. Uh, now that they're vaccinated, they're coming back uh, and returning for care. And I have to tell you, for our team, you know, we, we showed that we can be and had to be really agile and creative. You know, th things that we'd never considered having to do virtually are now commonplace. And, uh, and we're having these interactions now with our employees and with our customers uh, remotely. And so what are some of those changes, Jeff, that you made during the pandemic and that you hope to keep in place, you know, as time goes on? Well, I'd say some, some we're going to probably keep in place and some we may not. Um, and I think we had a lot of assumptions moving forward uh, and we had things that we, we had to try. So, you know, we had to figure out how to evolve our relationships with physicians and how do we keep commercializing products, um, especially not being able to be physically present in some of our facilities. So we had to really explore a lot of the virtual options of relationship management and customer support. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, we were a little bit surprised. Um, we, we were, you know, we constantly uh, were on, on the computer and Zoom, all of our people were with, with customers initially, um, but we didn't really see the mass adoption of virtual support for our day-to-day -day, uh, intraoperative service. So, you know, we, we thought that, that hospitals would adopt virtual support more rapidly. And again, they have in some areas, but in the day-to-day procedure support and, and education and training, uh, we found that that, uh, that there's really no substitute for that in-person relationship, interpersonal relationship, and being there in person uh, and being involved in, in supporting uh, care and education. So uh, we will continue uh, in some areas, but in some areas we're going back to being in person. Uh, and actually, uh, there's, no, there's no substitute for that inter interpersonal uh, interaction. Um, but we have seen... Uh, that some things are changing, especially um, when it comes to physicians sharing more information online, uh, us all uh, sharing information on, uh, on procedural education and different techniques. We're using online platforms to do so. Um, our meetings have shifted really from, from being big in-personal events to more of a, a hybrid model where some people are going in person and a lot of them now are, are online. In the old days, we could only get information when we attended these conferences or, or listened to speakers from the podium. You know, now we're seeing it almost on a daily basis where these social social media platforms become really an online consortium for, consortium for physicians and for industry to share and compare information. So it's really interesting, really fascinating to see, and it's really important that we stay actively engaged alongside them. And I think those those virtual trends will continue, but the model I think moving forward really now is going to be a hybrid model for, for MedTech versus just virtual. That makes sense. That's what we're seeing too. You know, a lot of our clients and colleagues are, you know, slowly resuming back to in-person medical meetings and national sales meeting planning coming up, you know, for January. So I think people are ready, ready, ready yes. to see each other. We're ready to get back together. Yeah. Shake hands again, absolutely, in a, in a safe way, but... Uh, there is no, there's no replacement for, uh, for virtual, but I think, you know, the hybrid model, like I said, really is going to give us additional capabilities that we didn't have in the future. And if we access these technology platforms that we've been discussing, it's really, I think, going to make us all better, all more connected. And I think we will all converge on, on really driving more progress together. So I, I love the fact that the, the world has changed. And I love the fact that we can now use technology to help us do more better.
And Jeff, just real quickly along those lines of hybrid model, what about your sales pipeline? How has COVID affected sales? And I know MedTech is so used to -to face-to-face interaction. I didn't know if you had any comments or best practices that you found through Clarent with respect to how um, you've pivoted with sales. Yeah, no, great question. And, you know, and I remember years ago, uh, my wife sold software and she was always selling software uh, virtual via, via online selling or Zoom. And she always had an applications person on there, the customer on there. And, and I always looked at it and thought it would be extremely challenging to do in healthcare. And, and clearly, um, we, we learned from the software and technology industry. and We've, we've applied uh, virtual selling to uh, med tech and med devices. And in a lot of ways, it's been fantastic. We can do remote software demonstrations now online. In, in the old days, we had to had to box up heavy equipment and ship it to different locations and have meetings and events to, to get hands-on training. Now we're doing it virtually. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of positives there that gives us, I think, better capabilities. At the same time, there's a lot of it going on. So we've got to kind of pick and choose when to, when to do it so that we still have that, again, human interaction and I think it's this hybrid approach that, that makes it diff- make, makes a difference. But I think, you know, I think we can still have human interactions, leverage technology to be more efficient, to save money. Um, and what we're seeing from, from a technology perspective is, is it's our, our advanced software and our system is, is really picking up significant steam. Because I think we can actually do more. We're doing more remote demos than in-person ones. So, so we're, we've actually accelerated. We're seeing our, our navigation sales uh, skyrocket, frankly. And like I said, we're going to be uh, – we, we started number eight. I think this year we're going to end up number two in the, in, the, in the total market in the U.S. And that's that's all driven by our advanced technology, being able to show that technology uh, online. So it's, 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 it's really exciting, and I think, you know, we're positioned – uh, if the patients continue to come back like they are and the market recovers, we're positioned for a really, really great few years ahead. When Amy and I got started in med tech, and I'm sure when you did as well, um, almost none of the companies that we worked with cared very much about marketing direct to the patient, the caregiver, or the consumer. And so with Eclarent, you know, being in a really unique position that you've got to both market to your customers, your physician customers, but you also have to educate, you know, the general public about these procedures. I just wondered, you know, what, what, if anything, do you see as the future of marketing um, directly to the patient and consumer? Great question. So, you know, it's, it's an an interesting area because it's a fine balance, right? We want to make sure that, that, that our, our patients get the best care possible. And that's our number one priority. We also need to make sure we, we support the surgeons with the best technology options available. And our approach really is to make sure we, we educate and make available different options to surgeons so they can make the best choice for their individual patient. Um, you know, years ago, uh, there was a lot of direct marketing done, done, done to patients. And, and it, it, it's, it went both ways. I think some, some, some of the patients loved getting the information, but it was only, only, only high-level information. And, and I think it was... Uh, it caused some challenges uh, in the health healthcare market for the surgeons to try to explain what was going on. So we've kind of pivoted and take a little bit different approach now. And we're we're, we're launching non-branded educational websites that have hopefully more of an objective view. And we're trying to drive patients to those new platforms via social media so that physicians and patients can take that information together 
and have meaningful, meaningful conversations about what opportunities are out there for them. So we'll continue to push out um, education, patient education through, through digital platforms. But our, our, our really goal there is to make patients aware of what treatment options are available and then give them enough meaningful information to have a really powerful, informed discussion with their, with their, with their surgeons. Now that's great. Well, Jeff, thank you for all of, all of your thoughts and comments. Um, we have one sort of fun final question for you. <laughs> uh, since <laughs> you are here on the Morning Fix podcast, we would love to know how you get your day started and what you do for your Morning Fix. That's great. So um, I always say that I'm not the one that's in, in control of my morning start, uh, even though I like to think that I am. Uh, I have three dogs, and, uh, and they're typically excited about, about the morning fix. Uh, they know the sooner they get me up, the faster they can get their, get their walk and the faster they can get fit. So, so I jump out of bed. I take my animals for, for a run, get a little exercise, uh, and get energized. Uh, and it gets me going for the day and keeps them happy at the same time. So the morning fix for me is all about, about animal care. That's great. I love that one. I don't think we've had that one yet. And we've had dogs and coffee and, and yoga and all that stuff, but, um, animal, animal care is a great one. So thank you for your thoughts. <laughs> well, I would say they, they rule the house. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you again, Jeff, for your time. It was a pleasure to speak with you and, um, thank you to everyone for listening. We hope you've been enjoying this series so far and please be on the lookout for more interviews from medical technology leaders like Jeff. And thank you for tuning into the morning fix by 510k cafe. Thank you.